prior to 1851, much of Henry David Thoreau's journals were lost or fragmented. Or, but in 1851 and on, they seem more complete, and so you have a large set. So we have to continue with 1851. This is the third session, and starting in uh, July 25th of 1851, in the journals of Henry David Thoreau. Friday started for Clark's Island at 7 a.m. At 9 a.m. took to the Hinham boat and was landed at Hull. There was a pleasant party on board, apparently boys and girls belonging to the south end going to Hingham. Hinham. There was a large proportion of ill-dressed and ill-mannered boys of Irish extraction. A sad sight to behold, little boys of twelve years, prematurely old, sucking cigars. I felt that if I were their mothers, I should white whip them and send them to bed. You think little boys should suck on cigars? Something like Emily, huh? Like Emily, in a way. Emily Dickinson? Mm -hmm. Why did she see little children behaving badly? Irish boys, you mean? Hmm? Irish people. Her brother's boys? Irish children. Don't you remember? She spoke partly about the Irish people. Oh, Irish children. Well,. Remember, that's like Im illegal. It's like immigrants at the time. Now we have, we have all the Mexicans coming. But at their time, they were flooded with Irish. So it's a natural inclination to criticize. Well, it's a, it's very typical to criticize the immigrants. So. Irish extraction, a sad sight to behold little boys with twelve years prematurely old sucking cigars. I felt that if I were their mothers, I should whip them and send them to bed. Such children should be dealt with as for stealing or impurity. The opening of this valve for the safety of the city. But he had friends, Irish friends as well. He went to their house and... Uh, he admired some parts of the Irish, and uh, they have the simplicity and stuff. August 5th, I hear now from Bear Garden Hill. I rarely walk by moonlight without hearing the sound of a flute. Now, where's this flute coming from? Or a horn, or a human voice. It is a performer I never see by day should not recognize him if pointed out, but you may hear his performance in every horizon. He plays but one strain and goes to bed early. But I know by the character of that single strain that he is deeply dissatisfied with the manner in which he spends his day. He is a slave who is purchasing his freedom. 
He is Apollo watching the flocks of Artemis on every hill and the strain he plays every evening to remind him of his heavenly descent. You think there's an actual slave person, a black person playing the flute, or is this abstract? Maybe it's real. Paralleling. Well, it's either. The satisfaction. He expresses the satisfaction. He could. He could be speaking a double tone on both real and abstract. It is all that saves him is one redeeming trait. It is reminiscence. It is a reminiscence. He loves to remember his youth. He is strung of, sprung of a noble family. He is highly related. I have no doubt was tenderly nurtured in his infancy, poor hind as he was. Here is a H-I-N-D, poor hind. That noble strain he utters instead of any jewel on his finger or precious locket fastened to his breast or purple ga garments that came with him. The elements recognize him and echo his strain. All the dogs know him their master. The lords and ladies, rich men and learned, know him not. So the rich people and the don't know of this flute player. He is the son of a rich man, of a famous man who served his country well. He has heard his sire stories. I thought of the time when he would discover his parentage, obtain his inheritance, and sing a strain suited to the morning hour. He cherishes hopes. I never see the man by day who plays that clarinet. What is he talking about? Well, he hears a sound on, I rarely walk by moonlight without hearing the sound of a flute. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, it's so quiet, you can hear a lot of things uh, in those days. Uh, August 17th. For a day or two, it has been quite cool. Here we have global cooling in August. <laughs> August can get cold. Quite cool, a coolness that was felt even when sitting by an open window in a thin coat on the west side of the house in the morning, and you naturally sought the sun at that hour. You know how he moves back to Concord and he has his like room upstairs in the attic or something, or upstairs he has it. He takes a room upstairs at the house. Uh -huh. He moved back with Mom's house. <laughs> Do you recall that? <laughs> from uh, from Walden. Well, that's after, actually. Let's see, he went back to, to work at Emerson's house and then back to home. The coolness concentrated your thought, however. Here he's saying... Coolness concentrates your thought in the morning. And so if you're sitting by the window meditating in the morning, you should open the window. 
The coolness concentrated your thought, however, as I could not command a sunny window. I went abroad on the morning of the 15th and lay in the sun in the fields in my thin coat, though it was rather cool even there, even there. I feel as if this coolness would do me good. Well, actually, if you have coolness and you lay in the sun with coolness, that's very pleasant. <laughs> if it only makes my life more pensive, why should pensiveness be akin to sadness? There is a certain fertile sadness which I would not avoid, but rather earnestly seek it is the positively joyful to me. It saves my life from being trivial. My life flows with a deeper current, uh, no longer as a shallow and brawling stream, parched and shrunken by the summer heats. Uh, do you think his life flows with a deeper current? It's flowing now. <laughs> but we, that's why we're reading his journal, because he flows with the deeper current. Uh, this coolness comes to condense the dews and clear the atmosphere. The stillness seems more deep and significant. So far he's into deeper currents in the stillness. Each sound seems to come from out of greater thoughtfulness in nature, as if nature had acquired some character in mind. The cricket, the gurgling stream, the rushing wind among the trees all speak to me. Soberly yet encouragingly of the steady onward progress of the universe. Uh -huh. Isn't one of the sounds of the music of the spheres the cricket? Is it the rushing water? Is it the rushing wind? Uh -huh. Interesting sound. One of my favorite sounds is the rushing wind among the trees. Uh -huh. That's an excellent sound. Do you like that sound? The rushing wind among the trees. <laughs> my heart leaps into my mouth at the sound of the wind in the woods. Uh, I heard the wind among the leaves. Well, remember the wind blowing in the poplar tree and flapping the leaves? Uh -huh. That's why we need trees, so we can listen to the wind blow in the trees. Uh -huh. Because we need the sounds of the music of the spheres to remind us of the music of the spheres, so we need crickets. Uh -huh. I, whose life was but yesterday, so dulcultory. See, these words we have to look up, dulcultory. And shallow, suddenly recover my spirits, my spirituality. So he recovers his spirituality by listening to the rushing wind among the trees. My spirituality 
through or Thoreau or Henry David through thoroughly Thoreau through my hearing. He recovers his spirituality through his hearing. Is that transcendental hearing? As in Buddha's Sarangan Saram Sarangama Sutra. Sarangama Sutra. My hearing. This is an interesting, uh, August 17th, interesting passage. Once again we see through as the mystic. I see a goldfinch go twittering through the sill. Warring day. What is this day? Warring day. L-O-U-R-I-N-G. Warring day. And am reminded of the peeping flocks, which will soon herald the thoughtful season. Ah, if I could so live that there should be no desultory moment, desul, D-E-S-U-L-T-I-N-G, moment, in all my life, if I could so live that there should be no desultory moment, in all my life, that in the trivial season, when small fruits are ripe, my fruits might be ripe also. Do you think we should ripen along with the fruits? <laughs> that I could match nature always with my moods. That in each season, when some part of nature especially flourishes, then a corresponding part of me may not fail to flourish. Ah, I would walk. I would sit and sleep with natural piety. What if I could pray aloud or to myself as I went along by the brooksides, a cheerful prayer like the birds? <laughs> he thinks that you should be cheerful like birds. <laughs> think birds sound cheerful? Mm -hmm. They are in the morning in a way. In a way, they celebrate the beginning of the day. They're happy that the day started. <laughs> For joy, I could embrace the earth. I shall delight to be buried in it, and then to think of those I love among men who will know that I love them, though I tell them not. I sometimes feel as if I were rewarded merely for expecting better hours. I do not. Do you think if you think positively and expect things to be better, they do become better? Is he talking about the power of positive thinking? <laughs> I were rewarded merely for expecting better hours. I did not despair of worthier moods, and now I have occasion to be grateful for the flood of life that is flowing over me. I am not so poor. I can smell the ripening apples. The very rills are deep, the autumnal flowers. Uh -huh. The autumnal flowers. The trichostema dicotomum. Not only its bright blue flower. Uh -huh. That's the Latin word. The 
T-R-I-C-H-O-S-T-E-M-N-A-D-I-C-H-O-T-O-M-U-M. Not only its bright blue flower above the sand, but its strong wormwood scent, which belongs to the season. Feed my spirit. Now we know which autumnal flower he's talking about. <laughs> Feed my spirit and uh, endear the earth to me. Make me value myself and rejoice. The quivering of pigeons' wings reminds me of the tough fiber of the air which they rend. I thank you, God. I do not deserve anything. I am unworthy of the least regard. And yet I am made to rejoice. I am impure and worthless. And yet the world is gilded for my delight. And holidays are prepared for me. And my path is strewn with flowers. Do you think our paths are strewn with flowers despite the fact that we're not worthy? <laughs> huh? I'm strewn. The path is strewn with flowers. and Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I cannot thank the giver. I cannot even whisper my thanks to the, those human friends I have. <clears throat> it seems to me that I am more rewarded for my expectations than for anything I do or can do. Do we have expectations? Ah, I would not tread on a cricket in whose song is such a revelation so soothing and cheering to my ear. Ah, keep my senses pure. Would you step on a cricket if he was singing a tune? <laughs> you wouldn't sing it, step on him. You'd listen to him sing that song. Yeah, it's interesting, the sound of crickets, actually. Hmm. Oh, my ear sense is pure, and why should I speak to my friends? Oh, how rarely is it that I am I, uh, and are they than they? You think it's rare that he is I, I is I? It rarely is that I am I, and they are than they. We will meet then far away. <laughs> <coughs> Does that rhyme? <clears throat> For how rarely it is that I am I, and are they then they, we will meet then far away. Uh -huh. hmm. The seeds of the summer are getting dry and falling from a thousand nodding heads. If I did not know you through thick and thin, how should I know you at all? <clears throat> ah, the very brooks seem fuller of reflections than they were. Ah, such provoking, sibylline sentences they are. Uh, sibylline is like, uh, is that from Greek? or What's a sibylline? That's from mythology or something. Well, we find more words to look up, huh? The shallowest is all at once unfathomable. How can that depth be fathomed where a man may see himself reflected? The rill I stop to drink at, I drink in more than I expected. 
I satisfy and still provoke the thirst of thirst. Huh. Is he provoking the thirst of thirst? Thirst. What's the thirst of thirst? What's the most thirsty? <laughs> Is that like where you can drink uh, hundreds of oceans and still end up thirsty? Huh. Not Meadow Park, not Meadow Brook, where it crosses the road beyond Jenny Dukins. That was, uh, I do not drink in vain. I mark that brook as if I had swallowed a water snake that would live in my stomach. What is he talking about? He drank from the brook like it was a water snake that would live in my stomach. <laughs> Is he talking about the importance of his gut flora? <laughs> or is he talking about his intestines? Or... If I had swallowed a water snake that would live in my stomach, I have swallowed something worth the while. The day is not what it was before I stooped to drink. I shall hear from that draught. Uh, it is not in vain that I have drunk. I have drunk on an arrowhead. It flows from where all fountains rise. Does this sound transcendentalist to you? Maybe that's why they call it transcendentalism. The water snake in his stomach. <laughs> August 18th, how impossible it is to give that soldier a good education without first making him virtually a deserter. Hmm. How impossible it is to give that soldier a good education without first making him virtually a deserter. Hmm. End of sentence. That's end of August 18th. I don't know what happened there. August 19th. The poet must be continually watching the moods of his mind. As the astronomer watches the aspects of the heavens, what might we not expect from a long life faithfully spent in this wise? You think the poet should practice mindfulness? Should watch your thoughts? I guess that's what he does, uh -huh. I suppose. Uh -huh. Though I don't know what happened with the water snake. Uh -huh. hmm. What might we not expect from a long life faithfully spent in this wise? The humblest observer would see some stars shoot. A faithful description as by a disinterested person of the thoughts which visited a certain mine in threescore years and ten. Hmm. What is threescore years? Is that twelve years times three? Thirty. That's forty years. But he isn't even forty yet, is he? All right, and ten, as when one reports the number and character of the vehicles which pass a particular point 
as travelers go round the world and report natural objects and phenomena. So faithfully let another stay at home and report the phenomenon of his own life. Do you think we should travel around the world and report our travel log or stay home and report the phenomenon of our own life, catalogs, stars, those thoughts whose orbits are as rarely calculated as comets? It matters not whether they visit my mind or yours, whether the meteor falls in my field or in yours, only that it came from heaven. I am not concerned to express that kind of truth which nature has expressed. Who knows, but I may suggest some things to her. Time was when she was indebted to such suggestions from another quarter as her present advancement shows. I deal with the truths that recommend themselves to me, please me, not those merely which other systems has voted to accept. A Meteorological Journal of the Mind. <laughs> we shall observe what occurs in your latitude, I and mine. Hmm. Well... I suppose journaling, in a way, is observing your thoughts in your mind, is it not? These are his thoughts. This is basically a meteorological journal of Thoreau's mind. We're reading from the journal of Thoreau's mind. And the weather, the way it shifts in the weather of the change of the days in the morning and the evening and the, and the snake in his stomach <laughs> and his transcendental thoughts. His spirit, he seems to have both a soul, a spirit, and a body and he goes around doing surveying work and looking at crickets. <laughs> August 21, there is some advantage intellectually and spiritually in taking wide views with the bodily eye and not pursuing an occupation which holds the body prone. There is some advantage, perhaps, in attending to the general features of the landscape over studying the particular plants and animals which inhabit it. Oh, I think, you know, if you like study, like, say, an animal in isolation by killing it and putting it in a, a specimen in Harvard Library, it's different than observing that bird in, in nature and studying his habits alive. He's saying, there is some advantage perhaps in attending to the general features of the landscape over studying the particular plants and animals which inhabit it. A man may walk abroad and no more see the sky than if he walked under a shed. The poet is more in the air than the naturalist, though they may walk side by side. Granted that you are outdoors, but what if the outer door is open, if the inner door is shut? 
We must walk, sometimes perfectly free, not prying nor inquisitive, not bent upon seeing things. Throw away a whole day for a single expansion, a single inspiration of air. He's saying it's useless if you don't have your inner door open. If the inner door is shut, the poet is more in the air than the naturalist, though they may walk side by side, granted that you are out of doors. But what if the outer door is open if the inner door is shut? Hmm. You have to have two doors open. <laughs> August 23 p.m. You have to be outdoors, and you have to really let it go inside you. Well, basically... Basically, Thoreau truly is a, a poet and a naturalist. Uh -huh. He is really a naturalist in a way, for certain. And he's certainly writing poetically. August 23 p.m. Now walk to a nurse snack and back over Stonebridge. See, when I write in my journal, I just walk to 37th Avenue and back, and you say, why are you writing such mundane, trivial stuff about your life? <laughs> I sometimes reproach myself because I do not find anything attractive in certain mere trivial employments of man. <laughs> I'll read it nicer. I sometimes reproach myself. I thought that was you talking about yourself. Oh, you thought it was me. I sometimes reproach myself because I do not find anything attractive in certain mere trivial employments of men. That's why I, I was trivializing my fact that I just walked to the library. <laughs> that I skip men so commonly and their affairs, the professions and the trades, do not elevate them at least in my thought and get some material for poetry out of them directly. I will not avoid then to go by where these men are repairing the stone bridge. See, if I cannot see poetry in that, if that will not yield me a reflection, it is narrow to be confined to the woods and fields and grand aspects of nature only. He's saying it's narrow-minded to just stay in the woods. What if we just isolate and stay in Walden and hide out in a distant cabin in the Adirondacks and we'd be narrow-minded? Are we supposed to go observe the men repairing the stone bridge? Uh -huh. Well, that's true. You should be open to everything. You should enjoy it. Don't go there just to go there. He's saying, I some t I, I, that I skip men so commonly and their affairs, the professions and the trades, do not elevate them, at least in my thought, and get some material for poetry out of them directly. I will not avoid, then, to go by where these men are repairing the stone bridge. See, if I cannot see poetry in that, if that will not yield me a reflection, 
it is narrow to be confined to the woods and fields and grand aspects of nature only. The greatest and wisest will still be related to men. He's not uh, become a hermit, in other words. <laughs> He's not a hermit. Why not see men standing in the sun and casting a shadow even as trees? <laughs> What's so funny? I suppose it's meant to be funny. It's like a color. What? He likes to see, observe people doing things, not standing like a color. Well, sometimes you like to see people doing things, or... I mean, he likes to see people doing things in for the work they do, etc. Everything, the activity, the actions, action, the emotion, not <laughs> see the situation standing like a colonnade. Well, yeah, like observe, like the men repairing the road and stuff. Yeah, making a bridge and all that. Well, you can observe them a lot of times. A lot of times they're sitting in the truck having coffee, having donuts from Dunkin' Donuts. Do we observe the policemen having Dunkin' Donuts? Don't they pull over and pull over to the to the Dunkin' Donuts for for coffee? May not some white be reflected from them as from the stems of trees. It will try to enjoy them as animals. I will try to enjoy them as animals, at least. <laughs> he enjoys people as animals. What's so funny? What is so funny? You enjoy me as an animal, don't you? Or you don't enjoy me? As an animal, you don't enjoy me. Why don't you enjoy me as an animal? Hmm. Men are animals. They are perhaps better animals than men. I do not neglect to speak of men's low life and affairs with sympathy, though you ever so speak as to suggest a contrast between them and the ideal and divine. You may be excused if you are always pathetic, but do not refuse to recognize. Resolve to read no book, to take no walk, to undertake no enterprise, but such as you can endure to give an account of to yourself. Live thus deliberately for the most part. He went into the woods deliberately to... Remember you went to Walden, remember? Uh-huh. I went deliberately into the woods uh, to see if I could do what? Get to live life more deliberately. That's why he went to, to live thus deliberately for the most part. If we could live our lives deliberately for the most part, we could have a part that isn't deliberate, but have more that is deliberate. August 26th, I perceive that some farmers are cutting turf now. You know what that is? Let's see, cutting turf. Hmm. 
Cutting turf as they harvest the soil or something. Trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. All right. I don't know if it's topsoil. They require the driest season of the year. There is something agreeable to my thoughts in thus burning a part of the earth. The stock of fuel is so inexhaustible. Nature looks not mean and niggardly, but like an ample loaf. Is not he a rich man who owns a peat meadow? A peat meadow is is good good soil, good topsoil. So if actually this is true, if you own a good peat meadow, if you own muck, black soil, mm -hmm. you are a rich man. Yeah, we had we had land like that next to the river in Greece. Remember I was saying that there's a town in Willard, Ohio called Celeryville where they grow vegetables and it's mostly muck soil, muck. And my father went to buy some of that land and it was in the 70s was quite high priced before the rise in prices. <laughs> Is not he a rich man who owns a peat meadow? And we are like astonished, like here he's looking at this farm, like a huge number for the 70s, like $250,000. But probably would have... How many acres? Like only a hundred or something, I don't know. Remember, average land could have been under a thousand and this land is like two thousand some dollars or something a high price if we had owned a peat meadow not is not he a rich man who owns a peat meadow it is to enjoy the luxury of wealth it must be a luxury to sit around the fire in winter days and nights and burn these dry slices of the meadow which contain roots of all herbs Oh, this is kind of funny. Do you actually burn the peat? Hmm. There may be some burnable, like uh, turf. Can you burn turf? Hmm. I'm not. I'm confused. Hmm. Well, it contains herbs. It's like a dried surface. You dry and burn the very earth itself. You, try, you burn roots, maybe. It is a fact kindred with salt licks. The meadow is strewn with the fresh bars bearing the marks of the fork, and the turf cutter is willing them out with his bar barrow to sit and see the world aglow and try to imagine how it would seem to have it so destroyed. You think we could get like a cranberry uh, uh, bog? We would like to have a bog in Cape Cod where we grow cranberries. <laughs> or you want to get muck in Salaryville. We could get rich and then buy a, all of Salaryville. <laughs> Woodchucks are seen tumbling into their holes on all sides. <laughs> 
One of my favorite topics in Thoreau is the woodchucks. Because uh, I, I grew up with woodchucks. <laughs> August 31. With what sober joy I stand to let the water drip from me and feel my fresh vigor who have been bathing in the same tub with the muskrat uses. <laughs> Such a medicated bath as only nature furnishes. A fish leaps and the dimple he makes is observed now. How ample and generous was nature. My inheritance is not narrow. Here is no other this evening. Those resorts which I most love and frequent, numerous and vast as they are, as it were given up to me, as much as if I were an aristocrat or owner of the world, and by my edicts excluded men from my territories. Perchance there is some advantage here not enjoyed in other countries. There are said to be 2,000 inhabitants in Concord. That's how big Concord is. 2,000. And yet I find such ample space and verge even miles of walking every day in which I do not meet nor see a human being and often not very recent traces of them, so much of man as there is in your mind, there will be in your eye. Methinks that for a great part of the time, as much as it is possible, I walk as one possessing the advantages of human culture, fresh from society of men, but turned loose into the woods, the only man in nature, walking and meditating to a great extent, as if man and his customs and institutions were not. The catbird or the jay is sure of the whole of your ear now. Each noise is like a stain on pure glass. The rivers now, these great blue subterranean heavens reflecting the supernal skies and red-tinted clouds. Why didn't he take a photograph of that picture? Hmm. He didn't have a camera. September 2nd, he's painting it in his journal. September 2nd, we cannot write well or truly, but what we write with gusto. You think we can't write well without gusto? Hmm. Yeah, that's a problem. Hmm. As an artist, sometimes if you lack gusto, you feel you can't do anything. That's a Greek word, gusto. Gusto? It's a Greek word? What what'd you say? It's like uh, a pleasant desire. What is the Greek word, go? Gusto. Gusto? Mm -hmm. Gusto? Yeah. Just gusto is Greek. Mm -hmm. Is that the full Greek word, gusto? Mm -hmm. All right, so we learned a Greek word. So you said a pleasant desire in Greek, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A pleasant desire. Is that sort of like a motivation? 
or energy. Or joy for something. Joy for, gusto, joy for. We cannot write well or truly, but what we write with gusto. And what are the Greek letters? What are, how do you say the Greek letters in Greek? Gamma, omega, epsilon. Gamma? Sigma, alpha, omega. Oh, cool. Gamma? What? Omicron, epsilon. Omicron, epsilon. Sigma, tau. Sigma, tau. Omicron. Omicron. The body, the senses, must conspire with the mind. Hmm. Expression is the act of the whole man, that our speech may be vascular. The intellect is powerless to express thought without the aid of the heart and liver and of every member. It's funny that that article I read about the neurologist or whatever is talking about your, what is it, your... Uh, mind or something is in your core or your immune system or your gut or something. Remember that article? That that builds up your core strength. Your intellect is powerless to extend without the aid of the heart and the liver and every member you need your body. Often I feel that my head stands out too dry when it should be immersed. A writer, a man writing, is the scribe of all nature. He is the corn and the grass and the atmosphere writing. It is always essential that we love to do what we are doing. Do it with a heart. The maturity of the mind, however, may perchance consist with a certain dryness. Yeah, so you need gusto. <laughs> That's a good chapter. Good uh, seg September 2nd is a good one, too. You like that one? Or you'll be in charge of posting the Greek words. <laughs> September 3rd, it is a very remarkable and significant fact that through, through, throw, I mean though, though no man is quite well or th healthy, yet everyone believes practically that health is the rule and disease the exception and each invalid is want to think himself in a minority, and to postpone somewhat of an of endeavor to another state of existence. That's that other word he uses, want, W-O-N-T. It is a remarkable and significant fact that no man, no man is quite well or healthy, yet everyone believes practically that health is the rule and disease the exception, and each invalid is want to think himself in a minority, and to postpone whatever of endeavor to another state of existence. But it may be some encouragement to men to know that in this respect they stand on the same platform, that disease is, in fact, the rule of our terrestrial life and the prophecy of a celestial life. Where is the coward who despairs because he is sick? 
Everyone may live either the life of Achilles or of Nestor. Seen in this light, our life with all its diseases will look healthy. And in one sense, the more healthy as it is, the more diseased. Disease is not the accident of the individual, nor even of the generation, but of life itself. In some form and to some degree or other, it is one of the permanent conditions of life. It is nevertheless a cheering fact that men affirm health unanimously and esteem themselves miserable failures. Here was no blunder. They gave us life on exactly these conditions, and methinks we shall live it with more heart when we perceive clearly that these are the terms on which we have it. Life is aware warfare, a struggle, and the diseases of the body answer to the troubles and defeats of the spirit. Man begins by quarreling with the animal in him, and the result is immediate disease. In proportion as the spirit is the more ambitious and persevering, the more obstacles it will meet with. It is as a seer that man asserts his disease to be exceptional. Hmm. Interesting comment. Hmm. We have read up to September 3rd. Huh? We read it, tried to read it with gusto. Oh, did you think I read with gusto? Mm -hmm. I read it with gusto, fortunately. I th think I read it with gusto. I read it at least. It must have had some gusto. Now, we read all the way from... This, is, this was a good read, too. We read from July 25th in 1851, where, where Thoreau hears somebody playing the flute. Then he cooled his brain. I sort of cooled my brain with... He cooled his brain so he could concentrate his thought. And then he was listening to crickets, and he, through his hearing, with the rushing wind and the crickets, and the, he was able to recover his spirituality through hearing. And he, we found out which of the flowers was his blue flower. And uh, we read about the snake in his stomach. Uh -huh. And uh, we read about his life, that he wanted to live deliberately when he went to Walton. And now you can get rich with the peat meadow. It's better. Black dirt is better than... where This is the end. And then we finished up to September 3rd. So we only read, once again, this is late summer. We read through July, August. We only read, like, pretty much August. 
1851 in the journals of Henry David Thoreau. Any comment? No. We haven't even finished 1851 and the journals are much longer now. <laughs>